Well, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Bishop John Arnold, who is the Bishop of Salford, our lead bishop on the environment, and also the chair of CAFOD. Bishop John, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. Well, we're fundamentally going to talk about the Call of Creation, which was uh, the bishop's teaching document on the environment, released in 2002, unbelievably, some 20 years ago. And, and I know it was revised along the way by CAFOD, but we are now re-releasing in 2022. Just tell me why we're doing this now. Well, I, I think the world was woken up a great deal by Laudato Si, the encyclical, and uh, that did a great service to not just to the people of the church, but to the world. But still, we're not acting quickly enough. And if you look at the statistics that are emerging, even by the day now, we really are making a terrible mess of the environment and it's having an appalling impact already on so many people around the world. The news, Pakistan, 33 million people directly affected by climate change. With uh, Japan, with uh, Namandol typhoon, 3 million people evacuated. Got Puerto Rico, a typhoon. We've got Alaskan storms. We've got the West States of the United States with their wildfires. We've got Kentucky with its ongoing flood damage. Really, it's an appalling state of affairs. When are we going to make it urgent to be effective in our response? And that's really before we mention war and and other things that are going on in in our world. And let's go back to your foreword for the call of creation in which you say a truly Catholic understanding of the environmental crisis does not see it as a series of individual problems that need to be solved. Now, I find that very interesting. How should we then, as Catholics, respond to this environmental crisis? Well, I think uh, Pope Francis gives us a lead, doesn't he, when he says everything is connected and that each and every one of us has our part to play. Now, we've got to see climate change and the damage it's doing as not just a series of things that we can cure one by one, It's a matter of care for creation as a whole, which means changing our lifestyle and everyone has got to be part of it. It also includes, you know, our political actions. The war in Ukraine is an appalling, damaging feature in in the environment. It's a dreadful thing to be happening. It's affecting food supplies. It's uh, destroying property and very many people, it would appear in recent days, the evidence of the number of deaths that have not yet been accounted for. It's all connected. And we've got to have a global look, as Pope Francis says, and put these things together so that we can recognise a plan for all of us that we need to observe and to bring to completion in order to save our common home. Now, without getting too controversial, how do we deal with, because I think there might be something of a problem with the psychology behind action sometimes, you know, you'll get people saying, well, what about India, China, the US, ourselves, the big polluters? How can we sort of avoid individuals getting disheartened by these these big polluters, as it were, so that they carry on doing their bit, changing their relationship with the environment, going about it in a, in a positive way, thinking about their consumption, recycling. How do we keep their sort of spirits up that they're making a difference? Well, I think Christian hope has a great deal to do with this, that uh, we've not been defeated. And Pope Francis is very clear. We, we live on in hope, but our hope can't be just something that we 
put nicely on the windowsill and say it will happen. We've got to be part of this. And uh, it's all very well to feel very pessimistic about certain nations in the world and, and what's going terribly wrong and they're not amending or correcting their ways of uh, destroying the environment. But at the same time, we've got quite an upsurge of uh, popular understanding people around the world, particularly young people who are learning so much about the environment and wanting to make it a priority. Now, if our political leaders are going to lead us effectively, they've got to listen to us. And the more noise that we can make about the priority of the environment, I think uh, the better place we will be in, in persuading uh, governments around the world to make those actions which are necessary. Now, obviously, you're our lead bishop for the environment, and I won't ask you to speak for every diocese and, and to tell us about every single church building, for instance. But in your experience and in your diocese, perhaps in particular, how are we getting on with um, our net zero, carbon net zero aims, emissions, efficiency, in, you know, in churches, schools and offices in our buildings? I think there is some good progress. We've got Guardians of Creation project, which is... Um, Uh, effectively helping us to combine our thoughts, share our best practice. We certainly, as a church, we've got a lot of properties and we can do a great deal in terms of moving towards uh, net zero in carbon. We've got that sense of education going on. Certainly among the young people in my diocese, I, I do feel a real enthusiasm. We've got to try and make sure that we uh, express our concerns about the environment in not in a frightening way for young people but in a way that um, encourages them in their understanding of what they can be doing and what their families can be doing in terms of modifying our behavior and uh, helping at a ground level with a care for the environment but we've got a lot more to do and it's very important that we as, as bishops speak out very firmly about the urgency of what we face and that as bishops we also need to be approaching the politicians loudly and clearly about uh, what needs to be done and that they must lead. Yeah well we're talking of which of course we have the COP27 UN climate change conference in Egypt in November. You talk about young people but also we, we have Justice and Peace Networks, Laudato Si Animators, there are a number of groups in and around the church, aren't they, of, of potentially older people, actually, that, that can support the bishops and help guide and be a bit more active. What can we do to make our voices heard to those, you know, the world's decision makers ahead of November? Well, I think we've got to um, responsibly demonstrate what we believe. And I think that's happening more and more. Yes, you, you refer to a number of organisations, and there certainly are a lot of organisations both of Christian faith, other faiths, or of no particular faith, who are promoting good practice. But we've got to make sure that this education goes on, because when we know that we're responsible, I feel that we can react more sincerely and constructively in our actions. And talking about that, you know, being better formed, I suppose, understanding the theology and our our spirituality behind looking after the, the environment as good custodians of creation... How would you like people to interpret this revised Call of Creation document? Well, I think um, the the tone of it is a very practical description of what's happened and the direction in which we're going. And I think it offers a sense of education that we can all be part of 
the way that we, we respond to the needs of our times, and that we can do that in a sense which is promoted by our faith, that it's really part of our theology and our spirituality, and that it's now something that we really need to turn our attention to, because it underpins all the other difficulties that we have in our world. We're not going to solve poverty if we've not got an environment in which we can survive happily. We're not going to sort out people's um, lack of clean water if we're not caring for the environment. We've got to make sure that we know about our common home, that we appreciate the value of it, and that we are going to look after it and repair it, which is so important. But if we're looking for short-term things, we, so many politicians look to you know their term in office and wanting to be elected, and that really depends on how much prosperity they can engage for their people. And uh, this is a time when we can't just be looking to prosperity, but to the very survival of humankind, because we're not looking after that common home in which we live. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we, we know about custodianship and we can always do better with that. But I think this document is very relational, isn't it? It's it's not just our relationship with the, the natural world as we see it. It expands beyond that. We mentioned war a bit earlier, relationship between peoples. But you touched on it there and the document does that obviously we say it, but we must repeat it, that the damage to the environment will affect the poor most of all, won't it, of course, you know, since most yes. of those poor communities inhabit the the worst affected and most vulnerable locations you mentioned at the very start of this piece you know the flooding and, and the terrible situations around the world caused directly by by environmental damage so um do you see this as a relational document where it's you know it's not as simple as just sorting out our relationship with the, the created world it's about sorting out our relationship with one another oh certainly and one of the things that looked so optimistic with cop 26 was this loss and damage budget where it's proposed £100 billion a year be set aside for those countries that are already suffering so much. But as far as I know, very little has come uh, of that uh, promise for the loss and damage budget. But certainly, yeah, we as the prosperous global north are inflicting dreadful damage on so many uh, countries in the global south. Um, It's interesting to see that we are now being affected quite radically California, the Western states of the United States have had some real destruction. Kentucky, we've got um, troubles in in Japan now with typhoons, and we had those floods in Europe. Uh, So, you know, we are being affected. Perhaps that's going to nudge us into more action, recognizing that while we're affected, other people have been really life-threatened by what's happening to them. The droughts and things in the Horn of Africa now going on for seven years They've had no no crops because of a seasonal breakdown in weather conditions. Yes, we've got to think globally. We have our common home and we must recognise our responsibilities to one another. And finally, Bishop John, it's the classic question, but I think one that needs asking. For those in, in, in our pews, our, our Catholic community, when they look at this and they might get quite disheartened by by all the things that are happening around the world and they might want to do something about it. Obviously, you know, we, we believe in in working for the common good. But what, what would you say to them if they feel a little bit of inertia or a little bit of a difficulty in stepping forward and making some of those relational changes you've been talking about? Well, I think now there's there's so much information on so many websites, diocesan newsletters and parish newsletters 
of even the smallest things that we can do, which will make a change. Pope Francis had said that uh, drops of water eventually put together make a reservoir. And it is in those little changes that you and I can actually make a difference today. And it doesn't mean great deprivation in our lives at all, but it means a, a, a more careful use of the resources that are freely available to us and that sense of promoting a good uh, which will build up. I'm confident that we, we will make the, the whole question of the urgency much more prominent and that our political leaders will take a real notice and provide the policies which will save the environment. Bishop John Arnold, thank you ever so much for giving us some time.